This is Changeling the Podcast. Welcome to Changeling the Podcast. Come for the glamour, stay for the vibes. I'm your host, Josh. This is a special episode where we're going to be talking about Storyteller Supplement Book, Book of Days, written by our very own other host, Puka. Say hi, Puka. Hello. So, you wrote a book called Book of Days. Why don't you tell us what this is? The elevator pitch. Yeah. yeah. So, Book of Days... It's meant to be a year-long sort of resource for storytellers and players to basically any day of the year be able to look up some kind of event or celebration or holiday somewhere in the world and possibly use that as a story hook or just some other kind of fodder for a Changeling Chronicle. There's an entry for each day of the year, including February 29th, because you can't leave out Leap Day. And yeah, that's... In a nutshell, there's also some essays on time and memory and life cycles and how that is part of the changeling experience and some rules about temporal mechanics and things like that. So there are some crunchy bits, but the vast majority of the book is just a calendar, essentially. Okay. What, uh, what inspired you to write this book? I think three things in particular. So one is that... I wanted some kind of mechanics to approximate what in mage are called junctures and junctures are these particular moments of time or holy days where magic just seems stronger. And I thought, well, it seems like changeling should have something like that as well. And in the canon of changeling, there is a lot about the wheel of the year and the holidays that the Fae celebrate. So the traditional equinoxes and solstices, the, the cross quarter days in the Celtic calendar, all of that. And there are a few oblique references in books like Dreams and Nightmares, for example. There are things that say, oh, on these particular days, if you go into the dreaming to get these particular kinds of dream stuff to craft Chimera, you'll get particularly potent material on that day. So there's little bits of it, but I wanted something a little more concrete. And that kind of blossomed into thinking about, well, surely there should be something somewhere that's significant on every day of the year. So that was kind of part of it. And then on the other side, in my offline life, I hang out with a lot of pagans and there are a lot of ritual celebrations and things. And we talk about how the different holidays kind of have different significance and different purposes. So, you know, that also informed the book. And then lastly, I just wanted to provide a whole bunch of story hooks that kind of ranged across the world and different cultures and different contexts uh, while trying to remain respectful and understanding the limits of my own knowledge and experience. So, yeah. Yeah. As part of that, yeah, you did have a, you have a lot of special, th- a lot of people in your special thanks section. I sure do. Uh, <laughs> and it was uh, a lot of feedback. Can you tell me a little bit about that process of uh, working with those people and trying to get. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I should point out that the special thanks, I mean, it's a wide variety of feedback that people gave me. In some cases, it was a straight up sensitivity read. In some cases, it was just 
please review this and let me know if this is something that you would use in a game, etc. For the cultural knowledge pieces in particular, I put out calls on primarily Discord, but then also through Facebook and a couple other places. And I essentially said, if you have any kind of experience or knowledge of cultures, essentially outside what we've seen in Changeling so far, so outside of Concordia and Europe to an extent. And I had some people reach out. I got some very great feedback about parts of the world that I'm interested in, but don't necessarily have much direct experience with. And so I got a lot of help in, you know, tweaking things to sound a little bit more neutral or learning more about a cultural perspective that I hadn't been aware of with respect to like particular days, particular myths, etc. It's certainly the most people that I've ever had give buy-in on a project before. So juggling that could sometimes be a little difficult, but ultimately it was the kind of thing which I both felt really happy about and also felt really ignorant as a result. <laughs> you know, because there's only so far that your own research can take you. And then when you realize just how much further you could be going, it's like, oh, wow. So it definitely made me want there to be a wider variety of homebrew stuff for Changeling and the other World of Darkness lines that is really informed by people's own cultural experiences. But Changeling in particular, because it trades so heavily in those. Oh, yeah. Totally. Yeah, that's awesome. So I have there some questions more in depth or more uh, specific as I was going through the book, too. The book itself... It, uh, for the listener here, you know, start that with an introduction and you talk about this, there's like a fixed calendar idea and that's how the book's generally structured for the, the chapter on the calendar. It's based on a calendar, right? Which is that sort of yeah. nature of calendars, but you also talk about, okay, local people, they might go based on what's going on based on local conditions as opposed to like X number of days or, or lunar cycle or solar cycle, right? But what I'm trying to figure out is how to apply that where I live, if it, if it came up, because the seasons here are not, it's not just that it doesn't always follow the same year. So it's like right now is particularly warm, right? For yeah. this time of year. But it's also, we'll get, um, the weather goes back a lot. <laughs> so like it yeah. was feeling almost wintry two weeks ago. And now it's feeling like August now. <laughs> So how do you, I don't know if you have an idea, this is on the spot there, but how, how do you think you'd handle that with like this whole seasonal things where it's, it's going back and forth? I think there's a traditional way and a contemporary way to look at that kind of dynamic. And it touches on the issue of whether or not you use astronomical markers versus earth-based terrestrial mm -hmm. markers for determining your year, for, for calculating time. And traditionally so i actually had this discussion with someone on discord earlier today where they said um well okay if if Samhain is meant to be the start of winter the end of autumn beginning of winter then why is that when the unseelie take charge because then that gives them winter and spring and spring should be mm -hmm. a seely thing and it's like well if you think of it as the seasons are divided by equinoxes and solstices. It's based upon the shortest and longest days and nights, the balance points of the year, then yeah, it doesn't hold up. But in the traditional system, 
October 31st, November 1st, which is hopefully when this episode will be going out. So there's some synchronicity there. That was the traditional start of winter because it was the end of the harvest. And spring yep. is still kind of that dark time that, you know, things are stirring and beginning to sprout. But February, March, and April in the Celtic countries in Ireland, they're still pretty gray. They're pretty muddy and cold and wet. So we have an idea nowadays that, oh, spring is like warm and bright and happy, and therefore it should be sealy. <laughs> but that's the kind of thing that changes over time. And that's why also like yeah. the summer solstice is midsummer. It's not the start of summer in the traditional reckoning. I, I've had way too many snowstorms on way, May 2-4 weekend here for me to... Bother. Yeah, yeah. For example, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. And that kind of... So to the contemporary point of view, it kind of raises the issue of climate change and how that gets integrated into into all of this. How do changelings mm -hmm. deal with that? And I didn't kind of... I didn't want to go down... The rabbit hole of that both because it's really depressing and because this book is already a hundred thousand words give or take but yep. it's absolutely something which in a game discussions around these things could come up between the kithane mm -hmm. yeah but you could have like the the local the near dreaming or the chimerical aspects of things going wintry and then back mm -hmm. to summer and then back to like you know as the weather changes or something okay yeah and the other layer that you have on top of that is the changeling specific metaphorical thing of banality with autumn and then endless winter. It's like yeah. if a snowstorm pops up in the dreaming, is that reflective of, oh no, the Fomorians are coming? Or is it reflective of the climate's all f***ed up? So. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely glamorous, bright things in winter too. So it's all. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, so when you're when, yeah, going through the calendar here, did you have any like tough choices of like oh, yeah. something that ended up being on the cutting room floor that you would have liked to put in there? Oh, dozens. I mean, so many. <laughs> so the process for this, I mean, the first thing I did even before I started writing was I went through every single Changeling book and made a giant spreadsheet with 366 rows and kind of put page references in every book where I could find some, some acknowledgement of a commemoration, a festival, an important date, etc. So canon material that already existed was my primary source. And I really tried to get as many of those in as possible. There were some which, even though I had a specific date, there was no other information. So it would be things like the battle of whatever during the Accordance War. And there are a couple of those that I did expand and kind of create story hooks around, but the vast majority of things that didn't have any backup I left mm -hmm. those out, but there were still ones that, you know, had extensive write-ups in the canon. So I felt like I had to include them and they co-occurred with other really interesting, culturally significant holidays outside of the game. So the more difficult part was actually finding stuff for dates when I truly had nothing and just kind of picking mm -hmm. random events that I found references to like on Wikipedia or whatever, and exploring those further and thinking about how might that apply to changelings? That, that sort of actually leads to my next question. Are there any that you just sort of made up entirely yourself as opposed to taking oh, something absolutely. existing? Yeah. <laughs> Several. Okay. I don't know that I necessarily want to point to exactly. Yeah, that's what. fine. But the, well, but the, the readers, that's, a, that's something to look for to try to figure out. Well, I'll, I'll mention one. And, and this is a little bit of kind of like a meta, I don't know, dig at the edition wars maybe. 
so for June 30th, I believe it was, it's, it's a very vague sort of description, but the, the gist of it is like, there's weird things where reality seems to change, where there seem to be alternate ways that things could have gone and memory plays tricks on you. And we know that certain things happened, but the details are fuzzy and it's dancing around the, um, 20th anniversary revision of the week of nightmares, which took place at that point with the evanescence. So it's like, oh, you know, people have memories that the eye of Belor opened on this day, but they know that's not true. And so like, you know, that was because I couldn't find anything else for June 30th that was really compelling to me. So I was like, yeah, I might as well make something up for this. Okay. So. Well, that's a, and that's a good thing to make up there. It wasn't just like a fill in. It's a very relevant, to, especially especially with the way C20 works. Yeah, even for the ones that were invented, I tried to be, you know, yep. have it connect to Changeling in some way. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's a few little things I've just liked. I just want to call it in the calendar section here. Uh, yay, Winterlude, because that's about where I live <laughs> in Ottawa, yeah. Gatineau area. That's another example of, it's a very sealy festival mm. in, you know, February and very winter focused. So I think that's a, <laughs> and I, I mean, writing this was really educational because I had no idea it existed. I mean, yeah. I, I had never heard of it and then came across and said, Oh, that fits. Yeah. There was a few other like Canadian things. I'm like, ah, I'm not going to push you on putting that in. Cause there's like good stuff in those other times. And it's, yeah, some of it's depressing too. So yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So that's, uh, the Calgary stampede made it in. So, Yes, <laughs> that I've never been to, but I've actually been uh, to Calgary. But I did want to comment uh, as a resident knocker that the real, because you have Pi Day in there, and I like the Pi yeah. Day write-up, but I'm like, the real knocker hipsters celebrate Tau Day on June 28th. But, <laughs> which is... Well, they may, but... No, I know, it's not in the popular culture. <laughs> yeah, so, first of all, I tried to make this book generally accessible. Oh, wait, that's Stonewall. Never mind. Definitely. (laughs) Yeah, and that's the other thing. I was not going to replace Stonewall. Wow, I never clued in that that's the same thing. Yeah. And And that's definitely a Concordian thing, because I don't think anybody does dates that way outside of Concordia anyway. But yeah, I liked your write-up of the Evanescence. I'm of mixed feelings on the Evanescence itself, but I thought you covered it well. And as someone who, I mean, grew up in New Jersey, has... You know, lived in New York for many years, have many friends who were here on 9-11. I'm, I'm doing this recording from Manhattan at the moment. It was something that I felt like I had to be very delicate about. And I feel mm-hmm. I, I'm also of mixed feelings about them using that as the kind of inflection point for all of the, you know, dark glamour and everything. Mm-hmm. I understand why they did it, but I did also feel that it remained somewhat unexplored. Because it's kind mm-hmm. of anomalous, right? I mean, there's references to things like Tararoms and Shimmers, these sort of eruptions of glamour that periodically have happened since the shattering. But this is the only example where we see a very direct reference to one of those and its impact on changeling society. Yeah, so like a lesser, a lesser, because I mean, we do have the, re- the resurgence, which you also covered quite well, but yeah. Yeah, you did Stonewall on June 28th, that was, and that was also a good write-up on that, I thought, for all sorts of readers from different backgrounds to get what they need. And I just, yeah, and the, uh, I won't bring up the Pluto's a planet debate, because that... <laughs> yeah. 
that the ad kit also get so many there's so many layers to that it's not (laughs) and that's the kind of thing that well so i think what i would want readers to take away from this there's there's kind of two things one is to have that same feeling of discovery like oh i had no idea this was even a thing regardless of what date it falls on just having a story Mm -hmm. that comes up and generates ideas but then also for the ones that are well known striking that balance between giving due diligence to people who are involved in the culture that it's referencing, but then also making people who aren't part of that culture feel like they at least have a basis of knowledge. And so it was a very delicate process to get all that stuff correct, to like really hit that. And I don't think I hit it in in every case, but you know, I did the best I could. (laughs) So this is another on the spot question. So maybe we'll, uh, but is there any day you'd say that in the process of making this book, you either learned about or learned a lot more about or different sides about that you, you want to call out or say like, or bring up as notable. I'm not saying, I'm not going to say like most or whatever, but. Well, okay. I, I will say as a class of things, I learned a lot more about the, the sort of motivations and stories behind Muslim holidays which, you know, I had been familiar with, but didn't really know a lot about. Yep. I suppose that's true, actually, for a lot of the sort of cultures that I don't have direct, you know, experience. Mm -hmm. I mean, I shouldn't say I don't have direct experience with, but I'm not part of that culture. And I'm not, I've never celebrated one of those holidays. So in cases like that, either through doing my own research or talking with someone who who does celebrate them, it shed a lot of light for me on those days. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think there was a particular date, though, that really stands out to me. Yeah, maybe I should say for the listener here who hasn't read the book, the way you structured the calendar chapter, you had dates in blue. (laughs) Sorry, what? It's a giant chapter. It's like a 115-page chapter. Yeah, it's most of the book. You You have dates in blue that are just under our Gregorian calendar. That's the date, right? The one yep. that most people are familiar with as a calendar. And then you have pink days. Those written in pink, those are like, you know, it's like third Sunday in November or whatever, right? Like those kind of. Yeah, the movable feasts. The movable feasts. And then you have, they're, they're from other calendars and mm-hmm. with pink in brackets where it's an approximation. So like Chinese loony solar calendar, that one fluctuates a lot. Same as the uh, Hebrew calendar. But there's the Islamic, yeah, the Islamic calendars, especially because that's a purely lunar calendar. Yeah. So, yeah, you, you put in things for that, and that you sort of said based on when this book was published, roughly, would be roughly yeah. where it corresponds. Because, yeah, you, you wait long enough, and anything here that's in December will be in July. So, for, for Islamic calendars, so that just. Yeah. But then if you wait another 15 years, it'll be in December again. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the strategy for those was, so for things like like the, the Chinese calendar or the Hebrew calendar, they fluctuate, but the dates of a given holiday are always within a specific range because the calendars do have, mm-hmm. you know, it's not, it's not random fluctuations. There's a structure to them. You can at least have it in the right section of the book. <laughs> right section. Yeah, well, I picked, I picked the midpoint or yeah. as close to the midpoint as I could get. So mm-hmm. something like the Lunar New Year, for example, or the, the Chinese slash Lunar New Year. 
I think I had it pegged to the 2nd of February because it's kind of always around then. So it can be mm-hmm. late January or early February. So I picked a date near the middle with the Muslim holidays. And I have this note at the start of the chapter. It's like, technically, it's the date that it will be a couple years from now. So that if someone is reading within the next four or five years, that date is roughly correct. And presumably, if you set your game within the next few years, that date is roughly correct. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, is there anything else you wanted to bring up on the calendar section? It was a lot of fun at first. <laughs> Just then, I mean... By the end, I was really, I felt like I was really scraping the bottom of the barrel, but I'm, I'm grateful mm-hmm. to everybody who kind of gave suggestions and gave feedback and offered up ideas. I'm also, as I, as we're recording and as I'm scrolling through, I'm seeing so many little formatting errors that I'm really frustrated by. So <laughs> I may release an updated version in the near future. Yeah. That's something with the storyteller vault you can do, right? Like relatively yeah. easy. It's funny because like. I get very perfectionist until the 11th hour and then I just want it out the door and out of yep. my life. And so those last little bits just kind of fall through uh-huh. the cracks. You have the, you have the knocker frailty too. I see. Yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and one other thing I want to say about the calendar. I really like that you have October 31st in there twice because it starts on Samhain and ends on Halloween. And I just, I love that book ending. Which is the new year. Yep. Part of that, too, is that there's a lot of consternation about which day Samhain should actually fall on, because it is the most important holiday for a lot of branches of neo-paganism. Mm-hmm. But some people are like, it has to be the 31st of October. And some people say, it has to be the 1st of November. I think in some traditions, it's also the 2nd of November. But Well, it yeah. comes from a pre-Roman calendar, right? Originally. And d- am I right that the traditional way of marking the days was starting on sunset also yes well in the celtic calendar it was and yeah the reason for where it is so in the celtic calendar they're called the cross quarter days and they're the midpoints between the solstices and the equinoxes so Samhain is mm-hmm. halfway between the autumn equinox and the winter solstice and that was you know the end of the harvest the end of all of the farm activity the beginning of everybody hunker down for three months and don't go outside and light all the fires and try and stay alive. So Mm -hmm. that's the importance of it. Yep. And then you had a chapter two essays and I've had some neat little tidbits here. I'm not sure what else we can really get into it besides just saying, read those essays. (laughs) Unless there's something you want to highlight in it, but it's all covering things that are based on time, but like not specific dates or festivals, like, you know, somebody's, birthday or wakes or yeah well and i also wanted to tackle seemings and Mm -hmm. there's some material about the seasonal courts a lot of this is stuff which i wish had been developed further in c20 especially seemings i felt like seemings are one of the most underdeveloped pieces of all of changeling lore and especially now that they've decoupled it from actual bodily yeah they rewrote the seemings and then (laughs) Right. And and they just kind of said, these are the seemings and left it at that. But I mean, when you think Mm -hmm. about things like, what does it mean to be a 40 year old childling or a 10 year old grump and to like go from one stage to another, there's a lot to kind of unpack from that, which Mm -hmm. isn't really addressed. Yeah. And you brought up the seasonal courts. Yeah. So my question here is, I mean, they do have a bit on that in the C20 book. Mm -hmm. How much of this is 
Dark Ages Fae related and how much of this is Changeling the Lost related? Very little is Changeling the Lost related. A small mm-hmm. amount is Dark Ages Fae related. A slightly larger amount, credit where credit's due, I have to give a shout out to Andrew Goodman for his book Roots of Legend, where he had the spring and autumn courts. Mm-hmm. But a lot of it was just, how did I want to do them? If I were to run seasonal courts in my game, how would I put them together? And that's primarily where it came from. Yeah. That and I wanted to write some oaths. So. And then we got a chapter three temporal mechanics, which really makes me think of like Star Trek and Doctor Who. But as it should. Not quite. I mean, there's a Doctor Who quote at the start of the chapter. Yes. So. But unless I really missed something, he didn't throw in any time machines, but still. I did not. Not in this edition, unfortunately. No, maybe maybe we can work on a book together on that one for Storytelling. Spin off. <laughs> Yes. And this brings in new mechanics here. It seems pretty neat and flavorful. I mean, you list them as optional mechanics, right? But it's also optional in the sense that, like, even if you said this was part of your game, it won't necessarily come up just because it's the right situation for it. It hasn't come up a lot. So, but I, I like it. It's yeah. like, that, that's the kind of thing I really like in these Storyteller Vault supplements. And yeah, yeah you talk about Kronos and things like that. My primary motivation for mechanics in particular is always sort of, I envision the kind of game that I would run and where I see things lacking that I would want to flesh out for my own table. So something like one of the mechanics that's in there is like kind of establishing a formula for how time flows differently in the dreaming. Because I thought about, well, Mm -hmm. if I were sending a motley into the dreaming, I would want that to be an element. They come back and six months have passed when they thought it was six hours or vice versa. And it's the kind of thing that you don't necessarily want to just leave to, oh, I'll make it up on the fly, mm-hmm. you know? And so having a mechanic for it, whether or not you want to use it is just something I like to incorporate. And so for this book, obviously everything to do with time seemed mm-hmm. appropriate. Yep. And you have something on remembrance and memory too. Yeah, that was fun. <laughs> Because remembrance, mm-hmm. not enough people take dots in remembrance, and I wanted to give it some. some I've whenever I've played a run changeling, it's very common as a background. Is it? It's like yeah, it's um, definitely higher than dreamers. Wow. It's... Well, yeah, that that's another one that doesn't get nearly enough attention. But shit, I always take dreamers. I'd say it's kind of uh, remembrance is like, well, do you want title? Yes or no? Well, you got to think about resources. Do you want a freehold? chimerical background and then remembrance probably but that's still ahead of a lot of other backgrounds yeah my go-tos are always like dreamers treasure resources like those are the three (laughs) yeah but it's of the ones after that like you really have to explain why you don't have them remembrance comes up i think like people like oh i have leftover background points they probably put it in remembrance in my experience but yeah well, and there's also just such a, a wealth of merits that are very story appropriate that I think those also mm-hmm. distract people. And speaking of memor- merits, you also put in a bunch of new merits and flaws. I did. Is there any of these you'd want to shout out? I think I would shout out Gawain's Boon and Bane, which can be either a merit or a flaw. And I feel like there's something similar in Mage. I think Cyclic Magic is the similar one in Mage where uh, your magic is tied to either you know, the cycle of the day or the cycle of the seasons or whatever. So I actually learned this from the role-playing game Pendragon many years ago when I played that as a kid. 
that Sir Gawain, as in Gawain and the Green Knight from Arthurian legend, in the lore, he's stated to have strength that increases as it approaches noon and then decreases to normal levels. So he becomes like superhumanly strong at high noon. And then slowly by sunset, he's a normal strong, but normal, normally strong knight. So mm-hmm. I, I really wanted to have that be somewhere in there. And then I also liked having the unstuck in time one as well, just because that was something, again, that in the transition to C20 was kind of lost in the exchange is the she slipperiness that they have mm-hmm. in relation to the time stream, which has extended discussion in Nobles the Shining Host, which just never gets brought up again. So I wanted to bring some of that back in. Yep. Oh, I liked, I liked also how that was structured because he has three points merit, two point flaw, supernatural, but they're not mutually exclusive. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah, nice yeah. So point. you could take both. Yeah. Yeah. They pair up well. And then it's just like a one point merit that has bare drawbacks, sort of. I, I liked actually you made time sense actually better. Yeah, well, that was the that's idea. a common <laughs> that's a common merit in so many World of Darkness books. You're like, also, you don't get the penalty of taking the time realm, which in C twenty is actually very powerful. So yeah, and there's also in Nobles the Shining Host there is that secondary ability that is it's not changeling time. Is it temporal sense or time sense? And it's you actually need it to mm-hmm. use the Chronos art in the first edition. Mm-hmm. So they. Obviously got rid of that because they democratized Kronos, but I still yeah. wanted to have that as something which wasn't an ability. Yeah, I like it. But yeah, I found it a bit clunky in Shining Host, but I think this this is a good approach to this here. And then you have uh, Chimera, which are fun. Some holiday-focused Chimera, from very, or festival or whatever. Slash seasonal, I mean. Yeah, seasonal, yeah. The Firecracker Chimera sounds... I don't know, that sounds scary, but... <laughs> <laughs> and then... I don't know why you have several like seasonal lichens or holiday, whatever certain lichens or certain time periods. Yeah. I suddenly, I finally understand what lichens are about. Like <laughs> I read through the, the, the C20 players guide. I'm just like, I don't, what? Like somebody told, and then I read this. I'm like, Oh, that's why I would have that in my game. So I'd like, yeah, I think I want to bring in both these, but now <laughs> I know how to bring in other lichens too. Just from, I don't know why it suddenly clicked in my head this little bit. And I think I also learned how to use them by writing this because that was okay. that was a motivation for me as well. I was like, I want to figure out how to use these because there were things like, I think it actually started with the May Queen one because I, mm-hmm. I thought they're, they're kind of roughly intended to correspond to the four major holidays. So Jack O'Slaughter is a Halloween slash Samhain creepy horror film type. Mm-hmm. Is it Lycan or Lycian? I always say Lycian, but I don't know what they. Oh, Lycian! You might be right. Yeah, they're anyway, not little. One of those. Lycians. Let's go. Yeah. Don't trust my pronunciation of anything, <laughs> listeners. I spent the first fifteen years of me playing Changeling calling it Shimmera. So, like, just well, as a descriptive linguist, I will say there's no wrong way to pronounce things; just different ways. Okay, I had very unique pronunciations from role-playing games. Changeling, they're dreaming. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so there was supposed to be a Salon one, a, an Imbolc one, a Beltane one, and a Lunas one. Because you could easily do like really powerful Santa Claus Chimera or an Easter Bunny mm-hmm. Chimera. But the associations with objects or places, I mean, they're they're kind of like unique in anime. And I really like mm-hmm. that 
Well, it's like this is how you bring in the Jersey Devil, or the not not seasonal right. folk, but just like Lacians in general. Be like, this is how you bring in the Jersey Devil. This is how you bring in yeah, Slenderman. Yeah. This is how you bring in Loch Ness monster, right? Like it's yeah, yeah. So they were fun to make and and kind of figure out the because I, I tried to get I tried to tick all the boxes, like get one of each of the different kinds of guys and the different kinds of mm-hmm. shape and. I don't know, some of them are probably more powerful than others, but I enjoyed the story ideas that I had from each of them. I think Candlemas is probably my favorite. I like the name just Jacko Slaughter. It's just such a... <laughs> yeah, that too. They were they were fun to make. And then you have treasures, and I like that these are old school treasures that aren't just arts. The Rabbit's Pocket Watch is fun. And the Peaches of Immortality. And Pomegranate Seeds. That was neat tying it in with the dead and whatnot i think the maypole one is probably the most like a c20 treasure because it is have it has four dots of arts as a level four treasure it's just Mm -hmm. pick what you want so yeah yeah and i and it's like i'm fine with that system as like a fallback or you could also do it this way yeah 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 but yeah i like i like especially when you're writing up a book like this it's nice to have like flavorful treasures yeah it's the difference between and i think even in Certainly in second edition, maybe even in first, the treasure background, that was always an option. But it's the difference between starting from dots and saying, okay, what powers can I put in that match these dots versus starting with the object itself and its powers and saying, okay, what level would this be? Mm-hmm. And then you have a index of events by Kith. So that ties back to the calendar chapter. So what led you to go, this is a, each kith gets their own, or not each kith, but like to, to sort these by kith? Well, so obviously you can, if you know when your game is set, you can look up events associated with that period of the year. But if it's just kind of open-ended and you only know who's in the game and it could be taking place at any point in the year, then this gives you a handier reference that you can say, oh, okay, I have a Seder in the Motley. I can go to the Seder section and look up some events and structure a session or a small arc around the Patras Carnival or Lupercalia or Hurantan. Mm-hmm. So There was actually supposed to be another appendix that was divided up geographically, and I just didn't have the strength. Yeah, and that's... <laughs> yeah. This was, I mean, this was like the day before release. I was frantically putting this together, and at least two of the typos are in this section, so... Well, yeah, yeah I, think, I think also, like, if you do it by geographically, it's easier to... I mean, by Kith, that's harder to figure out how to go do that, mm-hmm. right? But, uh, yeah, by geographically, I mean, you list the geography, yeah. Hmm, Burning Man's issue. Anyway, uh... <laughs> Well, but also Seder. I mean, there's there's certain yeah. holidays where it's multiple kiths are called out. It's a knocker holiday as well. Mm-hmm. And then you have a advertisement for Paradigm Explored's Fairy Faith. Do you want to give any little teasers on how what you're what that's going towards? I mean, it's probably the trippiest thing I've ever written. Uh, <laughs> I'm I'm still in the middle of writing it. I've gotten back some edits and comments from a few readers, but um, it really, I think, grew out of realizing that I play Changeling like Mage, and I play Mage like Changeling. That Mm -hmm. and I wanted hard rules for Kinane Mages, because they're potentially one of the most overpowered splats in the World of Darkness, and they need to be reined in a bit. Aww. (laughs) Just a bit. I mean, given, given enough, what's the word, enough structure to, like, build a reasonable game on. 
So is, is it for mage? Is it fairy folklore concepts as like paradigm and whatnot, or is it like yeah, essentially changeling the dreaming, the dreaming as paradigm? Not that no. Okay. So it's kind of playing off various traditions in. I mean, obviously, given my own familiarity with lore and the way changeling as a game is structured and the myths that it engages with, it is centered on Celtic and Western European culture to a degree. I'm trying to like expand it out a little bit so it's not quite so siloed into that. But the idea is that you have a paradigm where your magic comes from having a connection to this other place. And that place is fairyland, fairy, elfheim, another dimension, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. It's semi-sentient. Essentially, it's the dreaming to an extent. There's a lot of conflation between the dreaming and the umbra and the source of magic yeah that reminds me of another episode we should do at some point what is a fairy but (laughs) no it'll be a big episode yeah so yeah that's the that's the gist of it and it's in the tradition of a series of books that have been appearing on storytellers vault i think there are two so far first was friends of the show terry robinson and josh heath did one on norse magic and then friend of the show charles siegel did one on hyper mathematics as a paradigm so that was the inspiration or that's the structural inspiration for the book essentially it's a giant character sheet like a twenty thousand word character sheet mm-hmm. with a few extra tidbits so this is normally when we're interviewing a guest about their work we ask them i'd ask them what else they're working on but I feel like in this podcast, you, you you can bring that up a lot, but is there anything else you want to shout out to that's not really Changeling related that you're working on? Well, aside, aside from Fairy Faith, which I guess tangentially is Changeling related, uh, I'm involved in a collaborative project about liches. I think I could talk about it at this point, but that will also be a Storyteller's Vault supplement for Mage. I have a couple other things on deck that there's, there's always another project to tackle. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think that's about it, unless there's anything else you can think of. One last piece that I will say is in the middle of creating this book, because this was like a six-month endeavor. It wasn't supposed to be, but it turned into a six-month endeavor uh, for many reasons. But in the middle of that, the mid-journey AI art creator dropped, and I had so much fun creating art for this book. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Not a lot. I mean, it's probably a dozen pieces that are scattered throughout and you can really see their AI aesthetic, but it was really fun to kind of create Xanadu as seen by an AI. That and the story at the beginning. I always enjoy um, when projects force me to kind of level up other skills like Photoshop or whatever. That's it. You need a, you need a sub, you need a podcast where you just talk about how to make storyteller vault supplements. Yeah, it is. It is definitely I mean, people, people all have their own techniques and whatever else. Yeah. So is there anywhere else people can follow you on the internet? I'm basically everywhere as Pukagar, uh, primarily on Discord for the Changeling the Podcast Discord or elsewhere. I have a Twitter under the same account, which is just occasional role-playing related stuff. Occasionally I'm on Twitch under that handle. But yeah, Discord, I think, is really the best place to find me. Mm-hmm. Is there anywhere besides Changeling the Podcast Discord? Well, there's the Mage the Podcast Discord. I'm in a bunch of random servers. (laughs) Yep. There's the Onyx Path one. There's the Classic World of Darkness one. I mean, I've kind of accrued a number of them. I like joining Discord servers, and I hate leaving them. 
So I have a bunch of dead servers that I'm in. But um, yeah, just Discord in general is where I live these days. Okay. So yeah, thanks thanks for giving us this exploration of this new book. I, I highly recommend everyone check it out and not just because Puka's my co-host. Thank you. Uh, yeah. Once again, been Changeling the Podcast. You can find us at changelingthepodcast.com where you also you can find our Discord where Puka Gar hangs out. Uh, and you, you do too. I mean, yes, I do. We have, yes. we have a small Ascent community. Ten. Yep, we have our uh, Facebook for change Facebook page for changing the podcast. We're on Twitter as Changeling Cast at Changeling Cast. You can email us at podcast at changelingthepodcast dot com and stop by our Patreon at patreon.com slash changeling the podcast. And all of those links will be in the show notes. Yeah. So once again, uh, this is Josh. And Puka. And try not try to avoid uh, getting your time sense all screwed up and then you won't know when to listen to the podcast. Well, for everything, there is a season. As the year turns and the Samhain mists cloud our memories of all the delightful debauchery we may or may not have engaged in on nights prior, we would once again like to express our thanks for our listeners' support. Special thanks go out to our patrons, Derek, Raz Caboose, Sandjigger, Sija, and Terry Robinson. Why not start the Kithay New Year off right by leaving us a review on your preferred platform for listening to this podcast? Or, if you're feeling particularly magnanimous, you can stop by our Patreon at www.patreon.com slash changelingthepodcast to get shoutouts of your very own. In any case, keep your eyes peeled for our next installment, and remember to dream big. And once you've done that, dream bigger. Excelsior!